0: The following is an in-depth analysis. If you haven't seen this film, you might want to before watching this review. Before I get into the movie, I know some of you were thinking, once again, hey Captain Logan, that's not a superhero. And I wrestled with that a bit before I finally broke down and decided this should be countered on the list of movies to review on Superhero Rewind. The Mario Brothers are wearing plumbing outfits, but they certainly serve as costumes as they have their initials on them, like a superhero might have his insignia. And they change to look even more heroic with various power-ups. They may have to grab flowers or mushrooms or a leaf to get superpowers, but they do get superpowers, which is more than you can say for somebody like the Punisher, and I've already tackled his entirely constantly rebooted franchise. In Mario World, they even have capes not to mention the fact that Super is in the title of most of their games, but most importantly, they put their lives on the line to save a princess in a world they don't even belong in. And if there's no more prominent element that pops up over and over in superhero stories, it's the girlfriend that gets kidnapped that needs rescuing. They're not conventional superheroes, certainly, but I'm going to call them superheroes. Having said all of that, A lot of those elements that lead me to call them superheroes are missing from this film. Frankly, there's a lot about the world of Mario you might be familiar with from the games that's missing in this movie. And a lot of what did make it from the initial source material is either a subtle nod, or something that looks nothing like one of those elements, but is just representative of it. And all the basic stuff is there. Mario and Luigi are brothers. Their last name is Mario. They're plumbers, they leave our world and enter another dimension that eventually gets around to being called the Mushroom Kingdom. They have to save a princess from a Lizard King. Sounds like Mario, right? And there are mushrooms and bullet bills and bob and Goombas. So what's the problem? Well, the movie's got its moments, but mostly, it's just a mess. As Gene Siskel said in his review when the film was released, it's neither high-tech nor low-tech enough. I can see a lot of money on the screen, and yet all kinds of corners are cut, giving me the impression that the filmmakers just didn't feel they could put the game on screen, so they made up something else entirely, so that every scene wouldn't have to include a really expensive visual effects shot, and hoped everything would come out in the wash. So King Koopa is kind of a lizard king. We're told his ancestry is that of a T-Rex, and he holds his hands out like a dinosaur and cuts his hair to look like scales, but through most of the movie, he looks totally human, despite constantly saying how much he hates mammals. A lot of people in this alternate universe created by the meteor that destroyed all the dinosaurs say that. It's impossible to tell who's supposed to be human and who's supposed to be an evolved dinosaur. So, naturally, this really disappointed Mario fans. They didn't want to see lame representations of what they played in the game, like a big woman who kind of dresses up like a spiny, and a guy called Toad who isn't an enthusiastic little guy who looks like a mushroom, but a Bob Dylan wannabe singing out in the street against Koopa's establishment. As I've said a hundred times, I don't think a movie has to stick hard and fast to source material to be a good adaptation. Taking something from the page to screen, or in this case, from the game to screen, there are often major elements that don't quite... Translate. I would expect an even greater chasm of difference between the two, given that the mediums aren't even trying to achieve the same goal. Mario isn't about telling a story. All that stuff about saving a princess is the backdrop to make an interactive experience happen. And that is precisely where this movie went wrong from its very inception. It shied away from doing the really big, out-there, high-concept stuff, from having floating platforms and ghosts and fireballs that come from flowers rather than flamethrowers, a dinosaur you can ride, piranha plants, giant bullets with faces, warp zones, an intricate system of sewer tubes, etc. But besides avoiding the headache of figuring out how to afford to make that stuff look good in a live-action movie, what did the movie gain from moving away from From all that. What did it want to do that it couldn't do without some of the more original ideas in Mario that captured gamers' imaginations? Not a thing. Because it still wants to be a video game and doesn't even attempt making its characters compelling or telling a real story. Miyamoto, the creator of Mario, has gotten some flack from fans for saying he thought this movie tried too hard to stay too faithful to the games. Fans were like, what is he talking about? It's nothing like the games. But I think he has a point. He went on to say its mistake was in trying to be a video game rather than a movie. And that's exactly right. A bright, lively, incredible, breathtaking Mario World on film that was lacking on character development and didn't have much to say might have still been a lot of fun to watch. But what we got was a movie that's lacking in story and visual imagination. I think the problem was in the initial conceptualization of this world and the time it was made in. It tried to go with a popular, in-vogue movie environment. So what we get is this bizarre rehash of the world of Blade Runner. So it's gritty and run-down looking, and the whole thing looks like a giant warehouse. I had to keep reminding myself we were supposed to be outside during these scenes. I think the visual template should have been something more along the lines of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, or even The Wizard of Oz. I could have forgiven the lack of that brighter atmosphere and some of those more familiar looking elements from the game if they were replaced with an interesting narrative. A hero's journey for the Mario Brothers where they have to save a princess, and in this case also find a magical artifact set up in the first two minutes of the movie. Yep falling back on that old gem, but a journey where they're also finding themselves in the process. You don't want your heroes to be exactly who they were at the beginning of the film by the end, unless that's the point, as we've seen and talked about in a few films. You want to see them grow over the course of the movie. The journey should be layered, external and internal conflict, physical peril on top of self-discovery. The painful thing is that the movie clearly knows that's what it should be doing and glosses over it, hoping a couple of little mentions of a theme or message will count. I'm not saying there needed to be some big moral at the end of this film, just the same things I want in any story. A character who wants something, struggles against a conflict to achieve that, and has some kind of opportunity for change during the course of it. That's a story. Whether he takes the opportunity and the consequences of that decision, or what tell us who he is and what kind of stuff he's made of, that's when he truly reveals himself to the audience. All we get here is a vague notion that Mario doesn't believe in the supernatural and Luigi does. Luigi throws out this platitude at the beginning while watching a show about alternate universes that quote, if you believe, anything is possible. Seems like Mario is going to have a character arc about that notion, maybe, but nope. By the end, the payoff for that is simply, okay, now Mario believes because he's seen proof that an alternate dimension exists. It's as if the script completely forgot what it was talking about when it brought that up in the first place. Initially, it was about more than just, do alternate dimensions exist? It was about whether the brothers were ever going to get back on their feet again financially. At the beginning, they're completely broke, trying to get plumbing work, but it's incredibly slow. But this is a conflict that's wrapped up easily when the mean-spirited corporate tycoon making it hard for the Marios to get work conveniently gets taken out at the end. This is an idea that isn't explored simply there on the bookends it really should be, because it makes these guys relatable and grounds things in reality a little. Part of what makes Ghostbusters work is that, at its core, it's about some guys down on their luck trying to make a go at an independent business. We get a good amount of character stuff about the brothers while on Earth. Something happened to their parents, we aren't told what, and Mario has had to raise Luigi. There's a genuine moment where Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo, who couldn't look more dissimilar, really feel like brothers to me. And I get the sense that their lives have been really hard, but they they made the best of it and managed to stay positive and get the most out of life they can because they have each other. These guys do a great job of really selling this scene. I like it when Luigi says Mario has been his mother his whole life, and Mario's like, hey, watch it. And it's one of the only moments where I see a glimmer of what this movie could have been, and why these two great actors were chosen for these roles. Once they're in Koopa's domain, the whole thing degenerates into a grab-that-artifact plot, and all that stuff nearly entirely disappears. But briefly, I saw this hint of what was maybe originally intended, a real exploration of that big brother, little brother dynamic. Taking that to its furthest extreme because Mario is Luigi's father figure as much as his brother. And we might have had a look at the complexities of families, starting just with this simple notion from a video game that Mario and Luigi are brothers. There's so much potential in that first act. I love the idea that Daisy and Luigi are instantly drawn to each other and then discovered how similar they are because they both lost their parents when they were young. One of the things I was shocked to see this movie kind of get right is setting up a love story early and actually making me buy these two really like each other. That it's not just because they're the big young male and young female stars in a movie trying to appeal to a white demographic so they have to fall in love by the necessity of the script. They're really cute together. It's not a brilliant romance answer anything, pretty by the numbers, but there's a little effort there in giving them some screen time right out the gate and letting that relationship blossom a bit before she gets kidnapped and is missing through most of the film. And Given that this is Super Mario Bros., that really should probably happen. I was also interested in this notion that Mario has to talk to girls for Luigi because he's too shy and doesn't know what to say, but that part of why he's that way is because Mario always does the talking for him, and he's never had any practice. Mario has to be told by Luigi that he needs to have faith when dealing with the big stuff, but that advice is reversed whenever it's something small like interpersonal relationships. Mario believes in his brother when Luigi doesn't, and vice versa. It's there at the beginning, and it never amounts to anything kind of a shame. It's also bizarre that what little story is here is much more Luigi's than it is Mario's. One of the very few times in history where Mario is shafted so that Luigi can get the limelight. So Koopa's plot revolves around wanting to merge the two dimensions so he can rule both and not have to live in a world where the air is crappy and there's hardly any water and food to go around. He kidnaps Daisy, unaware that she's a princess, and from this world because she was abandoned and left on Earth as a baby. I suppose it's good Koopa has more of a motivation than just he wants to kidnap a hot rich girl. But man, is this kind of thing overdone. And you gotta wonder why he or anyone else wouldn't just make the assumption that because this meteor split reality off into two dimensions, it has the properties to merge them back together again. It's pretty clear that this artifact formula is retreaded time and again because it makes it easy to just throw in scene after scene of people chasing each other trying to get their hands on this rock, and you can use that to fill a lot of time when you don't really have a story to tell. Like with the interesting but dropped Mario family dynamic, something could have been done with the idea that there's such a lack of resources in Koopa's kingdom. He could have been made much more than a two-dimensional villain because we could sympathize with him for not wanting to live the way he and his people have been forced to. But it also just doesn't make any sense. I don't know if I missed something, but I'm not sure why they don't have enough resources. Is it because the human dimension got the better end of the deal, or did Koopa squander it all? Because if it's been this way forever, and we're not really told, it's hard to imagine they'd have such better technology in Koopa's dimension. If you spend your whole life just trying to find food and water to survive, you're less likely to develop incredible technologies, like rocket shoes, flamethrowers, and devolution machines. And at this point, I'm putting far too much thought into this because clearly nobody working on it was worried about those pesky things like a logic for parallel histories, and they just made this an evil New York because, hey, Mario's from New York, and then we can have jokes poking fun of the pollution in Manhattan and such, but really, why would this other world look so much like ours? They make a big deal out of how alien it is, but everything's in English. They've got the Statue of Liberty and the Twin Towers, and they've got pizza delivery, which is one of the funnier bits of the film, by the way. Koopa ordering a pizza is hilarious. They even have music that originated in our dimension because we hear everybody want the dinosaur. Again, this stuff just wasn't thought out at all. We know there are portals between the dimensions, but how many people knew about them? Apparently only the original king before Koopa devolved him into a fungus, since Princess Daisy was sent there, and Koopa was trapped on the other side, until a portal was uncovered at a dinosaur dig site. So is the movie just being careless, or are we supposed to believe other people from Koopa's dimension have come to Earth and brought things back? If they could do that, why not steal a bunch of food and water? Again, unless they did and Koopa squandered it all, I don't know. There's a lot of inconsistencies like that, just born out of sloppy writing. Why is there a poster encouraging people to vote for Koopa if he's a dictator? What is the currency of the land? Is it Koopa coins or Koopa coupons? Both are mentioned. But I'm asking these questions of a movie that explains things like a lot of bad action movies by questioning them and then moving on. Like, I'm supposed to be impressed that the movie knows it's created an unsolvable problem, and it's okay if there's no explanation for it, as long as it acknowledges it. Daisy asks Koopa why he didn't just go to Earth for himself, rather than sending his idiot cousins. He says he didn't have a way to get there until the portal in the chasm opened. Again. What am I missing? Why can his cousins go to and from his dimension, but he can't? As disappointing as the movie is overall, I do like a lot of the homages to Mario games, and caught a lot more of them on this viewing than I remembered when I was a kid. Of course, there's Yoshi's token tongue whipping, and the neon sign that says bullet bills. I think my favorite is that a motif is taken directly from Mario 3 as a big plot point, with the king who gets transformed into some other creature, the king here gets turned into fungus, which is how they get mushrooms in there, which the king keeps trying to give to Luigi, and that never pays off beyond the mushroom getting hit with the devolving ray and getting bigger. Lame. The chair looks just like the one from the game, and I thought that was cool. I wish the magic wand had been here, or that it had been replaced with something, though, because at the end of the film, when Mario defeats Koopa by devolving him, the king turns back into a human with no explanation whatsoever. I have to assume that actually happens later, and somebody re-evolves him off screen, because none of the other devolved creatures turn back into their normal selves, like the Goombas. And the Goombas, by the way, are maybe the most memorable things from this film, with their tiny heads on giant bodies. Freaked me out when I was a kid, but it's funny now. The elevator scene where Luigi gets them all to dance to elevator music is genuinely hilarious, and I like that dancing Goombas come back again toward the end of the movie. There's one scene where we get some rapid-fire Mario references, and for just a minute, it feels more like we're in that world, when Mario, Luigi, and Daisy are sliding down a drain pipe, like they do in the game, being chased by Goombas. At one point, Mario sticks a wrench in the ground and it makes one of the Goombas spin out. Of course, that's really like Mario Kart. The movie could have used more scenes like that one. The general lack of imagination in this film is especially glaring when we get lame explanation for things like Mario and Luigi's red and green suits, which they put on in the third act and they find those in a locker. They just happen to fit perfectly. Couldn't they have just had colorful plumbers uniforms trying to stand out against their competition? What? Was this movie really concerned that those costumes would seem too unrealistic for this film unless they just conveniently popped out of nowhere by the end of the movie? With choices like that, it's difficult to tell exactly who this movie was made for. There's not much story to speak of, so somebody who hasn't played the games would probably walk into this and see it as mindless and pointless at the worst, and nothing special at best. You have to have played the games to appreciate the nods, but if you're a big Mario fan, you're probably going to be disappointed that there are only nods and that this doesn't look more like the world you know from the game. We're especially set up for disappointment when the movie titles open with the original Mario theme, and wouldn't it have been nice to have some other bits of Mario music in the score throughout the film, especially the underground theme and the water music? Come to think of it, it's also odd that Mario never has to swim in this movie. It just seems like it's a movie that's afraid of going too far with the source material, and yet wants to use the fact that it's based on a video game as an excuse not to tell much of a story or tie up the few interesting threads it sets up at the beginning. Our imaginations can easily come up with fun ways to incorporate more elements from the game. How about? Mario having to collect coins for some reason, or having to jump onto a flagpole. How about Koopa having multiple castles, and Mario thinking he's found the princess, only for somebody to say, sorry, Mario, your princess is in another castle. Why not have floating platforms and things, and have this be a dimension where the physics work differently like they do in the game? Sure, there's questions of cost, and that sort of thing would be a great deal easier to do these days now, that CGI is so prevalent in modern filmmaking. But you've got Bob Hoskins. Roger Rabbit made him famous. We know this guy is a pro at pantomime. Why not create an animated Mario world and throw human beings in it? You could even build a motif around it, like the stark contrast between the real people and the 2D animation illustrates how Mario and Luigi don't really belong in this world, and maybe they come to love it and they want to belong. Of course, I'm not trying to rewrite the movie we have here. It's frustrating because it's not all bad. Something much smarter and better imagined could have been made even with the strange visual style and warehouse world the film decided to go with. In a world of remakes and reboots, and in a time where a lot of people still question whether the great video game movie can or will ever be made, I think it's time to go back to the drawing board and try Mario again, from an epic fantasy perspective rather than pseudo-steampunk. I'm giving Super Mario Brothers a 1.5 out of 4. Next time on Superhero Rewind, The Batman vs. Dracula. Stay tuned. Bye!